0: It's the 21st of February, 2015, and this is episode 189. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only. What cryptocurrency enables is new, empowering, and exciting, but we're not experts. Just obsessed companions walking the road towards a more peer-to-peer future.
1: Welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin, Today, Adam and I are joined by a very special guest. It's Ryan X. Charles. Ryan, is that what you want to be called? I know you by sort of a different name when I first met you. Yeah, yeah. So
2: it is a pseudonym, but that is my name in the Bitcoin world. It's Ryan X. Charles. The X is just unique, so there's nobody else in the world with that name, so (laughs) it's memorable.
1: Sweet. So the X can stand for anything you want it to be, basically. (laughs) But we've got Ryan X. Charles with us. And I actually first met Ryan, oh gosh, it was almost two years ago at this point, at the San Jose Bitcoin Conference, the Bitcoin 2013. That was like one of the first Bitcoin conferences out there. And we immediately bonded because at the time, Ryan was a graduate student and he was working on his PhD in physics feeling very frustrated and disillusioned with academic science, of course. And, you know, a smart guy, science-minded. We kind of connected about that because I had just finished my PhD and I had left science and started building up my voiceover business and working in the Bitcoin world. And Ryan was kind of like on the verge of doing that himself, which he actually did right after that. (laughs) Left graduate school, went on to work for BitPay, created Copay, which is... A really cool piece of software. It's, it lets you easily create multi-signature Bitcoin wallets. You can do that on the web. It's got like a Chrome extension and an app. And it's really come in handy for me a bunch of times when I've been trying to explain multi-signature Bitcoin technology to other people or just want to create a quick one myself. So he worked for BitPay for a while, but then recently was kind of getting a lot of attention because he took a job with Reddit who had planned to implement this new mysterious cryptocurrency program, and then they canned it and they canned Ryan. (laughs) So he's been given a great opportunity to uh, find an even better job. And now he's currently kind of deciding what he wants to do. But uh, we're going to talk about all this and more. Ryan, I hope I got everything right. And welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so everything you said was was correct. I mean, that's that's the outline, and it's it's been a very fast paced two years. It's amazing how much stuff has happened to me and to everybody in the in the Bitcoin space. It's been really really fascinating to be a part of all this stuff. That's the outline, and I'm very excited about everything that's happening now. I mean, everybody in the space feels how the price of Bitcoin has fallen, but every other indicator about what's going on in the Bitcoin world right now is just off the charts, incredible. All the venture capital money that's sort of flooded into the Bay Area here where I live in San Francisco is really fascinating to watch all these companies doing all of the next generation of stuff in in the Bitcoin space. It's very, very exciting.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Ryan, because we were talking off the air before we started recording, and I said, you know, are you going to take a vacation while you kind of figure out what you want to do next? And you said, no, I don't want to take a vacation. I'm really excited about the Bitcoin world and I just want to keep working because I'm excited about it. That was an interesting perspective because I think a lot of people now are feeling a little bit maybe deflated or I don't know, not super motivated as they were maybe a year ago at this time. Tell us more about that. Like what excites you about Bitcoin? What are you like raring to do in the Bitcoin world?
2: That's exactly what I've had to ask myself over the past two weeks. So I was you know, very excited about what we were doing at Reddit. And we can talk about that in a minute. But what I'm most excited about now, I've, I've sat back and reflected on what has happened to myself and, and everything in this space. So I divide up the world. It's sort of artificial, but it's one sort of crude way to divide up the Bitcoin world into Bitcoin 1.0 and Bitcoin 2.0. And to me, the most exciting things happening right now are in Bitcoin 1.0. Versus Bitcoin 2.0. Now there are a whole bunch of really really exciting things in Bitcoin 2.0. That's stuff like Ethereum, which is really really awesome. They're going to launch that stuff soon. There are a number of other sort of it's not Bitcoin exactly, but it's it's sort of part of the crypto financial system. Things like BitShares is interesting. Those are sort of way out there in the 2.0 stuff. There are some nearer term things like colored coins. Colored coins is really awesome. Colored coins has made a whole bunch of progress in the past year. And things like Counterparty and MasterCoin, I guess Counterparty has been sort of a little bit more sort of in production. And so they're a little bit closer. More on the Bitcoin 1.0 side are things like just the the success of BitPay and Coinbase and, and Bitcoin payment processing, things like Bitcoin ATMs that are being deployed all over the world right now that just let people buy Bitcoin easily or sell Bitcoin easily more like the technology of things like uh, payment channels. There's a lot of work going into payment channels. There's a lot of work going into what the Bitcoin core developers are doing with really basic stuff, but really important stuff on the Bitcoin core software. I'm more excited about stuff where I see it can have a lot of success this year. So this is early 2015. I think there are so many huge unexplored opportunities in the basics, the fundamentals of Bitcoin, using Bitcoin as internet money. It's money that you can send instantly to anybody anywhere in the world. They don't have to have an account. They just have to have a public private key pair, right? I mean, they have to have a Bitcoin address. You can send money to anybody. I think the the best opportunities now are in that stuff. Yeah. So I, I think uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing all the people that are just building awesome stuff and rolling it out right now and seeing what's going to happen over the over the course of the next year.
1: So did that factor into your interest in developing copay? I mean, whose idea was that exactly? Was that your idea that you approached BitPay about or theirs? Yeah. So
2: I was working at BitPay as a software engineer and we had a problem internally at the company. And this was, I guess it's a little over a year now. It would have been December of 2013. And the problem was just we needed to be able to securely hold our Bitcoins. BitPay, of course, holds some Bitcoin because they're a payment processor for Bitcoin. And we really needed to work out what is the right way to do this securely so that if, if we were compromised, we're not you know losing all of our Bitcoins. So uh, multi-sig was sort of needed to be involved in whatever our solution to this was. So we needed multi-sig. We needed people to be able to, we needed people inside the company, like either the board or the executives to be able to have keys that give them limited access. They give them access, you know, to, they need the other executives to, to sign a transaction for it to be valid. Jeff Garzik had written a tool called TX Tool, which was a command line tool for doing multi-sig transactions. And I basically sort of finished it and, and made this work and demoed it. Because it was a command line tool, it, was, it worked, but it was just not user-friendly at all. So what we realized was now that we had solved the technical problem of how to do multisig, we needed to solve the usability problem. I guess it probably would have been a, approximately January or February of 2014, that is, where I, when I started putting in a bunch of thought into how to solve just the usability problem of multisig. It's been amazing that so much has happened in in the Bitcoin world since then. But this was our approach. We wanted M of N multisig, and it needed to be usable. So I decided that the best way to do this was probably something that looks like a normal Bitcoin wallet, except where you're on the same wallet with other people. So your friends or your coworkers, you can see your balance just like you normally would in a normal Bitcoin wallet, except that when you send a transaction that transaction shows up on your friend's screen and it says, do you wish to sign this transaction? And to me, this seemed like in hindsight, it was just completely obvious that this was like the right way to do multisig, but no one had actually done this before. No one had made a peer-to-peer multisig wallet that just works in the obvious way of asking the other people on the wallet to sign a Bitcoin transaction. So I sort of laid out frameworks for it and everyone sort of agreed this was what we should build. I was one of the engineers on it, but it was primarily actually built by our team in Argentina. And so they did most of the software on copay itself. So yeah, so that was, that's a very, it it ended up becoming a very important project for BitPay.
1: I have to say, Ryan, I mean, like if you out there listening, if you want to see what this looks like, Ryan gave a great, elegant description of it, but the best way to just see how it works is just go to copay.io and just try it because like you said, it's so intuitive and it's just, yeah, that's the right way to do multisig. And it's, it just makes sense. The other thing about copay that I am fascinated by is that it's out now and it was out months ago, like six months ago, I think. I think what you said about all these unexploited opportunities in Bitcoin 1.0 is. Right on, because something like that, something like Multisig, there wasn't a tool that you could point someone to until Copay came out that was easy and like user friendly, but still secure and good enough to be used for corporate Multisig M of N accounts that anyone could pretty much create. Well,
0: so let me uh, ask kind of the obvious question here. Um, when I hear the word opportunity, right, I often think of money making opportunity or opportunity to build a business. And that sort of is what I took it to mean when you said this. But the example that you've given here for Copay, this is a free thing, right?
2: Right. So when I say opportunity, I don't necessarily mean business opportunity. I mean it's it's more like an opportunity to build, you know, the future. For a lot of people, this means, you know, you have to earn money somehow. So it, it means there are business opportunities here. But yeah, there are certainly opportunities to make a name for yourself. There are opportunities to build just free open source software that helps make Bitcoin work and easy to use and stuff that people haven't done yet. People have had ideas about a lot of things that no one has yet actually implemented or no one has yet made it easy. So yeah, there are enormous opportunities. It's not just business opportunities. It's it's everything
1: else. And that's why he doesn't want to take a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great reason not to want to take one. I mean, it's great to regroup and take the opportunity to, you know, take some time out once in a while. But if you're so excited about something that you don't want to do that, that's great. Like, I think most people wish they had that kind of passion about their job. So that's really cool to hear about. I guess maybe we can switch gears now and and start talking about this Reddit thing. Like, how did this all come about with Reddit? How did you hear about the rumors maybe that they were... (laughs) Thinking about doing this cryptocurrency program, I think everybody wants to hear about that. So we might as well just jump right in. Sure.
2: So let me just tell the story. So I was working at BitPay in San Francisco and I was just approached by a recruiter for Reddit and they wanted to hire a cryptocurrency engineer.
1: And now I was perfectly happy. How did they approach you? Did they like find you at a coffee shop They found shop me or on,
2: it was on LinkedIn is what it was. So they just, you know, some person who I'd never seen before messaged me on LinkedIn. And like other engineers, I, I often get sort of just random inquiries on LinkedIn. So I normally ignore them, but because this was Reddit and because it was a cryptocurrency engineer, I mean, this was just unlike any other like job inquiry I'd ever gotten before. And immediately I thought, well, this is, this is very interesting you know I, and i had heard that reddit was hiring a cryptocurrency engineer but i it, it never even crossed my mind that that person would be me that, that i was the right person for that job until i was contacted by this recruiter i decided all right well this is at least worth exploring because i think there is enormous possibility here because reddit is still and i still believe it's a very very appropriate platform for bitcoin i think that there's Enormous potential to to bring payments between people on on a pseudonymous platform like Reddit without having to worry about signing up for an account, without having to worry about giving away your personal social security number and stuff like that. So the potential was enormous. So I talked with the CEO, whose name was Yishan. And surprisingly Sean seemed to really understand Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and what I call crypto finance so crypto finance is more than just Bitcoin it's it's everything in this space and he seemed to really get that reddit could use this that this was this was the way to build payments and financial infrastructure into reddit because reddit is like a it's a giant community of communities and, and maybe not everyone's on reddit but for those of you who like you know, use it every day. It's there are many, many sub-communities that are completely different. It's a giant community of communities that's very internet native. It's it's a very internet only community. Something like this only makes any sense on the internet. So he understood the potential of this technology. I thought, well, if the CEO of Reddit gets it, this could actually work. Like we actually have the potential to do something huge. This could be what made Bitcoin mainstream, if it really took off. And it could have been so valuable to, to Reddit users. And again, it still could be because they haven't decided never to do this. But in any case, it could have just enabled the financial infrastructure of Reddit, bringing, make, making new things possible that just aren't possible right now on Reddit. I talked with Sean. I think I talked with them on two separate occasions, and I, I interviewed with the other engineers at Reddit. And I decided to join Reddit and leave BitPay.
1: Uh, and what were you talking about at the at the time? I mean, what were you talking about doing with this reddit cryptocurrency, like if for tipping or for paying to post comment like what was it going to be for?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So it was all very, very abstract. We didn't narrow down an idea. That was what we were going to figure out once I joined. We were going to figure out what to do after I got there. There's a little bit more to the story. So I wanted to do like, we never really narrowed it down. There are ideas, not unlike change tip, but maybe better integrated into the website or something like that. But what ended up happening was I joined and they had also had sort of other complementary plans uh, for cryptocurrency. So when I joined on what was for me, day number two at the company, they announced that they raised $50 million and that of this $50 million they're going to give, or of the $50 million worth of shares that the new investors had purchased, they wanted to give 10% of those new shares back to the Reddit community in the form of a cryptocurrency that was backed by the shares. So I actually, um, and, and people sometimes think that like that's why I joined Reddit. That I didn't actually know about that particular project. I joined more for the general big picture vision of the potential of this technology at Reddit, but with no concrete plan. And so when they announced this project, being the cryptocurrency engineer at Reddit, I naturally volunteered to work on that project. But that was not the only thing I was doing at Reddit. It was just my focus after they announced that this is what they were doing.
0: What did you think about that part of the project?
2: So right away, I told Yishan, like, this is a huge legal (laughs) nightmare. If you give actual equity to millions of people, it would make Reddit a public company. And Reddit being, you know, I mean, we're, you know, they're a normal corporation. We have to follow the law or we're going to have problems. We can't just give shares to a million people without filing as a public company with the SEC and following all the the laws that implies, including things like gathering people's social security numbers or whatever. It would be very, 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 very legally difficult to do this and and almost incompatible with the technology. Really, if you do crypto equity the right way, you don't even know who is in possession of the crypto equity. We couldn't even know who has it. They could give it to other people and we wouldn't know what their social security number is because we don't own it. It's theirs. So right away, I, I thought, you know, this is a legal problem. But we were committed to doing it anyway, like we were committed to solving the legal problem. I think we could have if we had spent years working with regulators and lawyers and slowly piecing together some type of plan. So my instinct was that I thought we could succeed, I wanted to be very optimistic about it. Having had some experience in the space and watch other people have problems with with regulators and stuff, it's like I knew that we're going to have a lot of legal difficulties going down this route. So meanwhile, I sort of, I ended up pursuing two parallel projects at Reddit. One was that project, the crypto equity project, what would become known as Reddit Notes. And in parallel to that, I tried to do something simpler, like just integrating Bitcoin payments into Reddit. So I did both at the same time. I was trying to sort of win over people, a company towards the simpler idea. But meanwhile, I was effectively my job and everyone at the, co- at the company sort of identified me as being the engineer behind Reddit notes. So I did the two things in parallel. And meanwhile, there are just other things that happened at Reddit <laughs> that I guess I'll just go ahead and dive into because it's the only way to understand what ultimately ended up happening with these projects. So, for reasons I'll go into, Yishan just suddenly quit. So Yishan was a CEO. He's the guy that hired me. He's the one I reported to. And I was going to be the lead engineer of the cryptocurrency engineering division of Reddit, which would have been awesome. I mean, it sounded cool. And and everything I was saying about all the potential of this technology was just absolutely enormous. It could have been huge this year. If we had just done something very simple, we could have made a huge impact on the world in 2015. But Yushan quit after I was there for about a month and a half. So I joined in late September and he quit somewhere around, I guess it was mid-November of 2014. And the reason why he quit, and we don't know for sure because he's just sort of taking a break right now and is not really talking to the media or anything, but he wrote a message on Quora that said he was just completely exhausted. And some people speculate that he was pushed out of the company by the, the board or something like that. I don't, I have no evidence that that happened. I think it's entirely possible that he was exhausted. And the reason why he was exhausted was there was just a whole bunch of unusual turmoil going on inside the company. So the Yishan and the board had decided that it was in Reddit's interest to stop being a remote company. Most people in the in Reddit had lived all over the United States and even in a few other countries. And so it was a very remote Company, I think maybe approximately a third of people lived in San Francisco, and two-thirds lived somewhere else. And they decided that this wasn't working out for Reddit as a company, and they wanted everyone to move to San Francisco. The people in San Francisco didn't have a problem with this, but it, it, it really was bad for just about everybody else. Most other people obviously had lives in other cities, and they didn't want to move
1: to San Francisco. So there was a lot of negativity do you think that was meant to like, get rid of, to cull some of those employees? Or why would they do that? I'm not really
2: sure because I've, I've had to piece together what happened and why they made this decision. So there were, what I've learned was that there are different sort of tribes inside the company. And, and, you know, I, I, that's a, that's a poor word to use. I don't know what other word to use. There are different sort of, you know, divisions of a, of a company that basically did not collaborate. Different subreddits. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great, (laughs) great analogy. That's exactly what it is. Different subreddits that were just very different. Reddit as a company was not collaborating very well. So they just decided that the best way to solve this is to have everyone in one place so that we can all just get along and be friends. But that decision was made sort of right before I joined Reddit. So I joined Reddit after like maybe two or so weeks after they unveiled the news that everyone needed to move to San Francisco. So that was bad news for most people in San Francisco. Then things got a little bit worse because Yishan wanted to move everyone not just to San Francisco but to Daly City. And Daly City is sort of a suburb of San Francisco. It's, it's just south, and it's not a very glamorous city. It would be inconvenient for people who lived in San Francisco or even around to, to commute to Daly City, although it would have been more convenient for some. It probably would have been more inconvenient for most So what ended up happening was even the people in San Francisco were very disgruntled about what was happening. No one really wanted to move to to Daly City. No one in San Francisco and no one in any of the other cities wanted to move to Daly City. So there was that turmoil. And at the same time as all that stuff, there were a number of other just sort of coincidental events that occurred. Like there was something that inside the company we called CelebGate. And this was where at the same time this other stuff was happening, maybe a couple weeks before, some female celebrities had their private photos stolen and shared on Reddit. And it became very, very popular on the Reddit website. But it was inside the company. Some people wanted to censor these images because, of course, it's these private photos that really it's clearly violating these people's privacy. But some other people believed not in censorship and they didn't want to censor it. So it was just it created another just element of disagreement and turmoil inside the company. And there is another thing I can think of happening at just, just again, just completely coincidentally at the, at the same exact time, there was a a former employee of Reddit who had left Reddit and made an AMA about what it was like to be a former employee of Reddit. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, what happened was Yishan, who was the CEO at the time, criticized this former employee in that Reddit thread. And so he had a a post about how, you know, you weren't laid off. You were fired because you didn't do your job and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This did not go over well inside or outside of the company. Yishan faced a lot of criticism from everyone for making public comments on this. Uh, Most people thought that the best response should have been just to ignore what this guy was saying. But in any case, this was just more turmoil happening at the same time as CelebGate and moving the entire company to San Francisco and raising $50 million all at the same time within like a one month period of time. So Yishan then just quit. He quit, I think it was mid-November. Everyone was like, what just happened? And then he posted publicly that it was due to exhaustion. So yeah, so it was just a completely surprise thing. And then new executives. Ellen Powell, who was, I'm not sure what her official role was before, but she took over as CEO. Alexis Ohanian returned to the company. He's one of the co-founders of the company. He returned as executive chairman. The guy who was running Reddit gifts, who invented and was running Reddit gifts, it's one of the, sort of a division of Reddit. He took over as VP of product. And so they're the new leaders of Reddit. So I joined in late September, Yishan quit mid-November. We were all learned because they sort of kept it secret. The board and the executives didn't tell us what had happened. We just like, for some reason, Yishan wasn't coming in anymore. Yeah, oh, my yeah.
1: God. <laughs> this is so know, much I drama. Know. This is an amazing yeah. story. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. It's just,
2: wow. <laughs> and all this was happening very quickly. And so they had a meeting and like, you know, a company-wide meeting. And so everyone in San Francisco rallied in, in our room and were like, what's going on? Why are we doing This meeting at this unusual time. And that's when Alexis was there and Ellen was there, and Dan was remote in Salt Lake City. And they they told us that Yishan had resigned and that Ellen would be taking over as CEO. And Alexis had returned as executive chairman. And they just sort of answered questions and we're all like, Well, this is just bizarre, right? I mean, no one really knew what had happened and what was going on. And and we all just felt a lot of turmoil and this was in this must have been early December at this time. So they answer questions like so we we decided that the, as i said that the whole company would be moving from being a remote company to being based in San Francisco and so they're like well first of all we are still doing that. We do most people had not yet moved but they said that even though Yishan has left we are still committed to moving everyone to the company. So over the course of the next month by i think it was by mid January Everyone who had not already moved would then move. So this was the bulk of of other people. And so a number of people quit during this time. There were, I would say, two people per week would just suddenly quit the company.
1: It's like this crazy girlfriend who's like, yeah, why don't you move in with me? (laughs)
2: Everybody's leaving. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So it was very, very turbulent. And then, of course, what ended up happening in January was we, we moved to a new office in San Francisco. So, of course, I was in the San Francisco office, but... Then we had to get a newer office that was bigger for everyone. That happened in January. And then we had an all-hands meeting in late January where the new leadership sort of laid out the plan for the year 2015. Now, during all this, all this turmoil, I mean, I was just doing my job. I was working with a guy named Daniel, who was the product manager of Reddit Notes, And I was the engineer. And I was just programming stuff. I was talking with other Bitcoin companies, setting up potential partnerships. We would partner with people to help us build the technology and to help us deal with the regulations. We talked with lawyers and stuff like that. And I spent a lot of my time just programming, programming the the infrastructure to make this possible. So during the all hands meeting, they laid out the product plan for 2015, which did not really include cryptocurrency. Sort of this minor wing of, of the product, which was going to be Reddit notes. No detail was given about Reddit notes. What happened was, so they explained, you know, all the other parts of Reddit, like Reddit has ads and Reddit has different mobile products and it has different elements of the core website and stuff like that. And cryptocurrency was just basically absent from, from the product plan for 2015. During all this time, like as I said, I was still working and And I started arranging like I was like, well, I have to just take responsibility for sort of making this stuff happen, making Bitcoin and making cryptocurrency happen at the company. So I arranged what I was going to call a Bitcoin 101. I wanted to just give people because a number of people had asked me, you know, they don't understand the basics of Bitcoin. And so I was just going to do like a talk on Bitcoin 101, just the basics of Bitcoin to everyone at Reddit. And I was told, hold on a minute, let's discuss this before you do this. And I went to a meeting with uh, Dan, the VP of product, and that's where he let me know that we're just not going to pursue cryptocurrency in 2015 and that the Reddit notes project is too legally difficult for us to pursue and that I was being let bill.
0: Today's episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin receives support from CryptoKit.com, the easiest, fastest way to send Bitcoins right from your browser. That's K R Y P T O K I T dot com if you'd like to learn more. Today's magic word is notes. That's N-O-T-E-S. Notes. You've got until the 27th of February to visit Let'sTalkBitcoin.com at a Let's Talk Bitcoin iOS application. To enter it for your share of the listener awards.
1: Wow! <laughs> I don't know what to say about that whole story. It's just so crazy. Like, these are supposed to be professionals. And they're acting like it's this weird family drama where they're like moving people around and they're not telling you that your project has been cut. And the CEO is suddenly just leaves and nobody knows why. I'm sorry to hear that you went through all this, but it does make for a hell of a story. <laughs> it does, I guess. Yeah.
0: So Ryan, it seems to me that through this entire project, it seems like you kind of got shanghaied by the crypto equity thing and that it sort of co-opted what you thought you were going to be doing and what you wanted to be doing at this sort of like basic Bitcoin level. And then it actually wound up being the thing that changed the calculus. So they wanted to get rid of you.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that is one way of looking at it. And that's probably partially true that people probably thought what I was doing was way too difficult and way too expensive to be worth it. But that wasn't my idea. It was, the, uh, it was the idea that was sort of handed to me. Had I had more of a chance to, and, and people pointed out to me. So I, I, I come from academia. I was getting a PhD as of two years ago and am fairly new to the world of what we call private industry in academia. And people were basically just saying, you should have played politics in this situation. And I knew that was the case. Like what I should have done when Yishan left the company I should have immediately dedicated my effort to basically selling Bitcoin. Because since Yishan was no longer there, who was this pro-Bitcoin person who was the CEO of the company and I had his ear. So, you know, if the CEO wants this to happen, it'll happen. When he left, I should have really, really tried to sell these ideas to the new leadership. And I chose not to focus my effort there. And I don't know whether this was for the better or for the worse, but I chose to basically just keep doing what I was doing. And I decided that if I needed to spend most of my time selling this stuff to them, then I might ultimately be better off anyway. So I was aware, I wasn't completely clueless that I I might ultimately be fired. I didn't realize that it would happen as soon as it did, but I wasn't completely naive about it. I could have tried harder to sell the ideas and I didn't. Maybe there's a a different way this could have turned out, but that's what happens.
1: I don't think there's any way, Ryan, that you can say that any of that was your fault or that you're like the responsibility falls on you to have to try to like fight for your job. I mean, the only thing maybe I would say is like, did you have any kind of agreement? Like, did you, did you get it clear with Yishan when you first got hired? What exactly you were going to do and what your role was going to be? Or was it more based on like sort of a verbal... It was very high level and big picture.
2: Like we, we never really narrowed in on the specifics other than that I'm working on the Reddit Notes project. And what had happened was Yishan was just very busy during that one and a half month period of time when, when we worked together. And so I didn't talk with him every day or anything like that. I talked with him maybe an hour per week. So we didn't really narrow it in. And I think, I think a lot of people at the company didn't really understand what I was doing. In hindsight, like I don't, I don't actually disagree with what Reddit decided to do as a company. They're focusing on what they perceive to be the most important things to focus on, and, and cryptocurrency is not on the list. So I don't I don't disagree with that. But in hindsight, there was very little management structure at Reddit. So there was very little formal way for me to sort of explain to people what I was doing. It was completely informal. And so not everyone understood. I I couldn't informally, like, you know, I mean, I guess I could have, but it was very difficult to informally try to figure out everyone at the company who I needed to be in touch with and and talk about this stuff.
1: Well, informal is one way to describe it, or you could say it was completely (laughs) dysfunctional. That's another way of putting it, just, like, disaster. I mean...
0: Well, and Ryan came in at a time, you know, Ryan is sharing his perspective with us for which we very much appreciate, but it's good to keep in mind that companies are made up of people, people burn out, people have all kinds of stuff happen to them. And Ryan seems like he came in during a period of particular turmoil within a company that has otherwise been kind of, you know, a stalwart in the space, not, not the cryptocurrency space, but as he got there. Yeah. All right. I mean, well, it was probably more functional. Again, it sounds like they were kind of the end of a breakdown period. Ryan, so the notes project, you know, I, I kind of just want to even set that aside because I feel like there isn't really much talk about there. It sounds like it's a pretty straightforward equity coin. And I kind of tend to agree with the assessment that something so uh, permission oriented is going to be very, very, very difficult to, to make happen. But can you talk to us about what it is that you actually wanted to do? Like, wh- what's a best case scenario implementation of cryptocurrency? What would that look like for Reddit or a community like Reddit?
2: I'll give you my number one example. So I think there are a lot of options. I think ChangeTip is a really good example. which Ch- What ChangeTip already does today on Reddit without having to ask anybody's permission is they just enable tipping on Reddit. So you can tip people right now today using ChangeTip. So that's a very good idea. That's a very simple idea. And I'm in, I'm in favor of stuff like that. So the number one idea that I explored while I was at Reddit, I met the guys at Chain.com, Chain. They're a sort of Bitcoin blockchain API services company. And I just sort of hit it off with those guys. We had lunch one day and and we were talking about stuff we could build. We realized how straightforward it would be to integrate payments peer-to-peer on Reddit, where you could basically easily pay another Reddit user. So it's not unlike tipping, except it doesn't have to be for tipping. It could be for anything. And so we ended up in a single day, I went over to Chain's headquarters and we built a payment system that worked as follows. Each Reddit user could set a Bitcoin address and it would be saved in their sort of user profile. You could then, each comment that a Reddit user would make would have a pay button. And so you could pay them sort of like tipping them for the comment or something like that, but it it didn't have to be necessarily for tipping. And it would open up like a QR code. And there was also a link to a payment request And so we also had this payment request backend. So payment request as in BIP70 payment protocol payment request. And you could just generate a payment request for any Reddit user. And we also got as far as there was a wallet that they had. I forget what the name of the wallet was, but they even integrated this into the wallet. So you could just type in the name of a Reddit user and pay them money. And we built all of this pretty much in one day, like we built the basics in one day. I think the only part of it that didn't quite work on the first day was the wallet part. And there's one other important piece of information. The way we're able to build this and integrate it into reddit.com is because reddit.com is actually open source software. So they didn't have to get special permission or anything. I just went over there and we just downloaded reddit.com, the source, and made this work. So that's something I think has enormous potential. Just being able to Either tip people, which ChangeTip is already doing, or maybe paying for content. You can maybe pay to reveal the content, or somebody can sell something right then and there in a in a Reddit comment. Either they're selling information, maybe they're selling a link to something, or they're selling a physical item that they'll ship to you. Something really basic like that that uses Bitcoin as money. It's technically. Easier than doing the more advanced Bitcoin 2.0 type of stuff where you have to invent some type of new, you know, currency unit or something because you're just using Bitcoin and there's much better infrastructure, software and, and, and uh, economy infrastructure built around that. And it's also legally easier. It's a lot easier if people are just paying each other money peer to peer and Reddit is not involved in the payment And so we're we're not subject to or I I don't think we would have been subject to money transmitter license regulations or anything like that. And we certainly wouldn't have fallen under the SEC. So it should have been legally much, 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 much less of a headache. It should have been virtually headacheless had we done it the right way. So that's what I was more interested in was the really, really basic stuff. Not that Reddit notes is a bad idea, but it's just that I recognize, you know, let's do V1 here. We can do Reddit notes, but let's put that off for five years and let's start with V1 which is just payments, something really basic and that's, that's much more widely supported with the software and the economy infrastructure and is just legally easier.
0: So people would still be using off-site wallets. It's not like Reddit would be offering a wallet service in this circumstance. They just would have the ability to associate that information, right, the address information, and then be able to generate requests so that it's really, really easy to pay somebody. You don't have to get their address. All you have to do is get their username.
2: Exactly. So people could use whatever wallet they wanted. Both users would use a wallet that has nothing to do with Reddit.com. It's just about building the infrastructure that would have made it very, very easy to pay other Reddit users.
0: So how far away was that project? I mean, you said that you guys built a type of prototype using the open source Reddit code and chain in a day? I mean, is that available if somebody wanted to, you know, roll one of their own versions of Reddit? Is that out there?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I, it hasn't even occurred to me that we could now make this open source, but we have the source code. I could talk with the guys at Chain and I have the part of it that sort of lets people set the Bitcoin address. For that matter, I think we should do that. Now that I think about it, now that you mention it, we should go ahead and open source that and maybe say, because Reddit.com is open source. So some of the, some of the other uses of the, of that code base wanted to integrate payments, they could use this for sure.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting because the value of Reddit is the user base, right? And I know they do ads and what is their primary like business model? Yeah, So
2: the primary, they have two, Uh, number one is ads. Ads is where, uh, Reddit gets most of its revenue and they also have Reddit gold. Uh, people will buy Reddit gold and they get a few extra little features and you can buy Reddit gold for other people and give them this, this token if you really want to highlight a comment as being really good. That's actually a pretty important source of revenue for Reddit. So it's it's primarily ads and gold. And they also have a store called Reddit Gifts. Reddit Gifts is how they collaborate with the, to create their uh, giant secret Santa gift exchange every year. And Reddit Gifts also just sells little plush toys and stuff like that. So that's another source of revenue for Reddit.
1: Well, that's really interesting because a while ago, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was an article that was going around about Change Tip. It was called like "Change Tip Must Die." I just pulled it up. It's by Emin Gun I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's a hacker, I guess, and he wrote this whole thing about how Change Tip is totally unsustainable as a company because they've got no business model. They've got like a, a wallet with like 150 bitcoins in it. That wouldn't pay like a week of their operating expenses, probably having an office in San Francisco or whatever. And they have no like long-term plan about how they're actually going to make money. So he was speculating that they're just going to sell people's information and their identities. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I think probably you would say um, that it's important to you that people are able to maintain privacy and not have their information sold or have to have their social security numbers attached to their Bitcoins and things like that. So if you combine something that has the functionality of ChangeTip or even like making it easy to make payments with Reddit, which has this user platform, and it does have another business model as opposed to ChangeTip, that could be something really of value. Absolutely. So
2: along those lines, yeah, part of the thinking with all this crypto financial stuff was maybe creating the fourth major source of revenue for Reddit. There are a lot of ways we could have turned this stuff into a business. There's always this difficult sort of, you know, realm where if you're dealing with open source decentralized technology, it's not obvious how to monetize things. Because if you don't control the central like monopoly where people have to go through you and you take a cut, if they can just go around you, why do they pay you? Well, I think there's a a very good general strategy that works. It actually works well for Reddit today, which is a sort of basically voluntary, moral-based payments. And the way this works is, it works right now with Reddit Gold. No one has to buy Reddit Gold. They don't really get huge features for it, but they like Reddit and they want to support Reddit. So they're willing to buy something that's basically overpriced so that they can support Reddit. I think if you take this principle into other payments systems in the Bitcoin world, you can apply the same principle and you can earn money. So the way this would work is basically you can give people like an app where it's totally open source, it's totally decentralized, but because they like you, built into the default settings, you get, you know, a 1% cut or a 10% cut or whatever you need to maintain your business. And assuming people do actually like you and they trust you and they they don't want to scam you or something, I think they just won't bother changing the default settings and you'll keep getting your fraction of the revenue that you need to operate your business. So we could have done something like that at Reddit where we could have just sort of had some optional, you know, 10% cut and it would have been very easy for people to work around it if they wanted to, but I think because most people like Reddit, they 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 want Reddit to succeed. They recognize that Reddit needs money and and this would go for any other business that tried to adopt the same model. I think people just won't change the sets they'll they'll happily pay a small amount to support the people that are making
1: the product that they're using work it sort of reminds me of restaurants you know i mean why do you pay the salary of a this is going to be turning into a discussion about tipping but like why does the customer pay the server and not the the restaurant you know it, and it's kind of like they're doing the same thing. They're putting themselves out there and saying, hey, I just served you food, you know, pay me. <laughs> I guess that's what Reddit is doing too, but it depends on people really liking. It, it depends on people having that real fondness for Reddit as a platform. And the community building has to be a big aspect of it for that to work.
2: Yeah, but I think that's such a wonderful way to do it if you can, if you can do it that way, right? I mean, contrast a company that people just like And so they like paying 10% versus something where people absolutely hate the company. I'll I'll throw out a, this is sort of an overused example, but a lot of people really just hate Comcast. Comcast is an an ISP that a lot of people in a lot of places, they have no other choice for internet access and they have to use Comcast and they feel like they're being forced to pay and go through these hurdles to use Comcast. That's the exact opposite (laughs) strategy. Insofar as we can build the type of companies and it doesn't have to be a company, but the type of future that we want, let's build a future where people love paying each other because they recognize the value that they get from it rather than something where everything is monopolized and controlled by central parties and people have to pay begrudgingly uh, in order to, to get the services that they need. So I think this is within our control to do things the, the moral way and build good services and good companies that people like to pay.
1: Speaking of morality, I know like when you found out about Bitcoin, it was a big deal for you. Like you also kind of found out about a lot of economic and political philosophy that you weren't really aware of before. How has that philosophy, I guess, that you got from Satoshi shown up in your work with Copay and with Reddit?
2: When I discovered Bitcoin in early 2011, I... Was able to understand the technology pretty quickly because I'm a pretty, you know, I've been involved in technology my whole life. I've been a software engineer for most of the time I've been alive. So I was able to understand the technology probably more quickly than most people. However, I knew that I, I didn't know anything about economics. I didn't know anything about money. Um, I'd never taken a class on economics. I'd never even really read a book on economics or finance or anything.
1: That might have been helpful.
2: Yeah. I mean, so exactly. It it would be helpful. And so I knew that I was missing this important knowledge. And in order, before I sort of dived into the Bitcoin world, before I took it seriously, I wanted to make sure that I understood this stuff, that I understood economics and money and banking. And so I began reading books about this stuff. And I was very, 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 very quickly drawn to the Austrian School of Economics. And in a course of about three weeks, my just view of everything completely changed. And I'll say there, I'll just throw out the very, very first book that I read into the fed by Ron Paul. I read that book first because it was just the only book that I knew of that seemed relevant. And I was, I was really, it's funny thinking back about this, but I was really hesitant to read a book by a politician because I, I was like, well, I don't trust politicians. They don't, they don't know anything, you know, But Ron Paul, of course, is, in my opinion anyway, is exceptional. He's not like most other politicians, at least as I would later learn. So I I read it anyway and decided that, you know, I'll just listen to his arguments. And uh, if I'm smart, I should be able to figure out if he's just BSing like, like other politicians do. Well, I don't think he was BSing. I mean, I was completely convinced after I read this book that basically we should end the Fed for all the reasons he talks about in the book. And I went on to just read more and more books in the Austrian School of Economics. And it just completely changed my view of everything. I valued Bitcoin on day one because of the technology. But a few weeks into it, I really, really valued the freedom that Bitcoin provides. And so I personally hold Bitcoin today. I don't day trade Bitcoin. I'm still accumulating more Bitcoin And the reason I do this is it really is not because I think the price ultimately will go higher, which I I think it probably will. But I genuinely value the freedom I have holding Bitcoin. I can go anywhere in the world and I simply have to keep track of some really simple information that gives me access to money that I can use anywhere in the world with, with no hassle, no political hassle imagine trying to send a huge amount of dollars around the world. Well, it's very difficult and it's very expensive to do it. And you don't have a lot of freedom to do that. There are lots of capital controls around the world where you're very limited in where you can send and where you can have access to fiat currency. Bitcoin is completely different. Bitcoin is financial freedom. It is by far the best way. It's it's better than gold because gold, of course, you have to physically lug around everywhere. So as awesome as gold is, and there's a reason why it has a central place in the history of money, it's not as good as information. Information is just, you can have the information anywhere and have access to wealth. I really value Bitcoin for for that reason. And I I still believe in that. I still believe in the basic principles of things like open source, decentralized software, software. I say there are f- three principles to what I call the crypto financial system, and, and Bitcoin nails all three principles. And I think everyone should keep these principles in mind when they participate in the space and build stuff in this space. The three principles are voluntary, decentralized, and open source. These are the distinguishing features of technology and sort of the, the successful future building companies and people and projects in the space. Voluntary, of course, means you're not forced to do stuff. You're not forced to pay taxes in Bitcoin or something like that. It's voluntary. If you don't like it, you don't have to use it. If you don't like a company, you don't have to use that company. If you don't like a product or software, you don't have to use it. So voluntary is one of the principles of the space. Decentralized is another one. Decentralized just means there shouldn't be a, a required central party. If you're building a protocol a protocol should not depend on trusting some person somewhere. It should be decentralized. It should be peer-to-peer. And finally, things should be open source. Open source means everyone can read how it works. It's it's you can look at it, you can change it, you can modify it, and you can you can change things to suit yourself. You can run a business based on the on the open source software. So I try to apply these three principles in in everything I do. So if you look at the history of software that I've written uh, at BitPay, and I'm sure what I do moving forward will be the same way. I really, really believe in applying these principles, that things should be voluntary, they should be decentralized, and they should be open source.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin. This episode receives support from CryptoKit.com, the easiest, fastest way to send Bitcoins right from your Chrome browser. And Foldingcoin.net, where you can use your spare CPU cycles to mine medicine, not hashes. Content for today's show is provided by Stephanie, Ryan, Andreas, and Adam. Music for today's show is provided by Jared Rubens with the LTB theme song, and La Liberté with another delightful reinterpretation of the song Me by Niles Fromm. If you have any questions or comments, head over to Let's Talk I'm on vacation until the beginning of March, so emails to Adam at letstalkbitcoin.com may go unanswered until then. See you next time.